The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Good afternoon. Welcome aboard the National Football Show. Your boy, Dan Cilio. And here we are. First week of the exhibition season. What a great weekend we come out of with the Hall of Fame induction speeches. Hall of Fame game sucked. But there were a lot of storylines. And there's a lot of storylines going into the first week of the NFL exhibition season, too. Houston, what are they doing with Deshaun Watson? What's going on? In Denver, what's going on in Philly? The Giants get someone back on their football team that they need if they're going to try to win the NFC East this year. We'll talk all about that. But I first want to start out with the losing of a legend. You know, I got to tell you guys something. And if you don't know my background, I played my college football at the University of Miami. And I'm from Connecticut, and I really didn't know that much about Southern football when I was getting recruited to play for Jimmy Johnson at the University of Miami. No idea what rivals were. I knew the Gator football program was a very good program. Significant names have gone on and played in the National Football League. I really didn't know much about the Hurricane football program. And when I was getting recruited... The FSU-Miami rivalry wasn't really what it became. So I, I, I really didn't have, you know, an affection for the place. But I really did have an affection for Jimmy Johnson. And, again, we'll talk about his induction speech into the Pro Football Hall of Fame over the weekend, too. I thought it was awesome. I think some telling things came out of Jimmy. And I, I, I'll tell you, I think it was more so – personal to his family, his induction speech. So we'll talk a little more about that later on in the program. But I want to tell you a story about Coach Bobby Bowden, who passed away over the weekend at the age of 91. I believe it was um, cancer. And so many tributes were posted on social media. People were saying things about him. I saw a lot of the shows, you know, giving him his honor. I want to tell you a story. This is one of the coolest things that ever happened to me. And I got to understand truly what the rivalry meant. And I truly understood what Coach Bobby Bowden was all about once I got a chance to play against him. And after the years of playing against him, we became friends, followed me on Twitter. Um, his family still does, obviously, follow me on Twitter. His wife, Ann, was spectacular. And I sent my heartfelt condolences to them and the family. Once I heard the news on Sunday that Coach Bowden had passed away, we had all been waiting for this day. And it just reflected back to a story at the Orange Bowl prior to the 1986 game. And I think this tells you a little bit about Coach Bobby Bowden and what kind of man he is. Well, and, and I'll say this to you. I don't know who the greatest college football coach is. You could say Nick Saban for sure. But I'll promise you this, 
I don't know there was ever a kinder man to walk the sidelines of a college football field than Bobby Bowden. Bobby Bowden, let's not forget what he did also for the Marshall football program when they had that horrific plane crash in the 70, which wiped out almost every single player on that team. What did he do? He opened up his facility to the Marshall new coaches, and he allowed them to go in there and learn how to run the veer, which he was running at West Virginia. Coach Bowden had coached at West Virginia prior to going to FSU, and he helped that Marshall program get back up on its feet again after that horrible scenario where that plane crash took the coaches and everybody aboard. It was West Virginia, Coach Bowden, who opened his doors. Coach Bowden has always opened his heart like that to his players and to his assistant coaches. It's, 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 um, I, I tell you this, Bobby Bowden will not be known for the amount of wins he had at Florida State. Bobby Bowden is going to be known for the kind of father and the kind of men he was to all those kids that played for him. He was a tremendous leader. He was a tremendous father to all of his players. But you know what he also did? He was able to balance it in his life at home. You know, I mean, it was. His kids all revere him. His kids all love him. And yet he was able to do his job at the same time. Did he win as much as other coaches? No. But I think Coach had balance in his life. Here's his story I'll tell you. I told you I'm from New England, and I really didn't know a lot of these players knew one another. Back in the day when I played at Miami, we were all independent, Florida State and Miami, and we played against the Gators. All three of us played against one another, and there wasn't really any other programs in the state of Florida at the time. FIU, FAU, USF, UCF, all those programs were non-existent when it comes to Division I. We never played any of those guys. They weren't just around. So you can imagine what the talent pool in the state of Florida was like back then when you're talking the big three, Miami, FSU, and Florida. It was just a treasure chest of talent that was on those three football programs. And every year in every battle that I ever did with Florida or Florida State, it was the most iconic games I ever played in. Fans screaming, places going crazy. The talent was just littered all over the field. Deion Sanders, Derek Brooks, uh, Sammy Smith, some of the greatest football players that ever played were in that series and in those games that we played. The Florida State-Miami series hadn't really started heating up. We had taken care of them in 85, and then the 86 game came. And then from really then on, from 87 on, that's when the Miami-FSU game really determined who was going to win the national championship for about really 15 years. Whoever won that game was usually in a position to win the national championship. And it was really because of Coach Bowden. Coach Bowden got to Florida State. Do you understand something about FSU? I think everybody thinks that Florida State was a um, massive college football program. It was a girls' school at one time. Florida State was not a massive power. Like in the 50s and 60s, they were not a massive power to say to any extent at all, man. They just weren't. When Coach Bowden took that team over, they really didn't have very much history. Fred Bolitnikoff played. Burt Reynolds, the actor, was there. Lee Corso had played there. But there wasn't really any history, so to speak, when it came to Florida State football players. And then Coach gets there in the 70s. 
transforms the entire program. I remember watching an Orange Bowl when I was a young kid. I think they were playing Arkansas. And I said, who's Florida State? Man, these uniforms look great. Who's this guy, Bobby Bowden? I started getting letters from the place and all. And that's what the only thing I knew about Florida football was Florida State and Florida. I didn't know anything about UM. Coach Johnson and then them winning the national championship in 83. You know, it kind of changed that whole dynamic where the three schools, I think there was a time that those three schools, I think we finished in the top five. 10 years in a row, Florida, Miami, and Florida State. It was just an iconic time. So fast forward, like I said, to the 86 game. I'll never forget this. I get a tap on the shoulder from Jerome Brown, and we're getting ready to play FSU at the Orange Bowl. We're all at the Orange Bowl three hours before the game. And he goes, come on, let's go. Where are we going? getting ready for a game. It's FSU. Come on, dude. We win. We win the state championship. We had just, by the uh, skin of our teeth, beat Florida earlier in the year up there at their place. And now we had a chance to win the state championship. And if you win the state championship, like I said back then, you had a shot at the national title. Just to put that in perspective, our first national championship in 1983, we lost to Florida. And they kicked the hell out of us, 28-3. to So winning the state title back then was almost more difficult than winning a national championship. I mean, those games were just incredibly difficult. So we're, we're getting ready for this game in 86 at the Orange Bowl. And I'm walking with Jerome. We're going into this private room. And there's Coach Bobby Bowden and Jimmy and Mark Rick. There's Dion. I'm like, what is this? He goes, just relax. We're standing there. Finally, he goes, a friend of mine, Pablo Lopez, was shot and killed. Earlier in the week, he was a starting offensive lineman, and he was a friend of ours. We all played against him here, Dan, and FSU has asked us to pray with him. Mark Rick is a former no, and he was on Bobby Bowden's staff for like 18 years as his offensive coordinator. So there was a tie-in, and Coach Rick went over to Jimmy and asked if we would do it. There was just a select handful of us. So I was like, okay. So we walked into the room. We're all on our hands and knees. I'm holding Bobby Bowden's hand. I'm on the other side of Jerome, and we're all praying for Pablo Lopez. And I'm thinking this. I can't believe what's going on here. I'm in here having a chapel service with the FSU guys prior to the FSU-Miami game. No one would believe this. I didn't know a guy in the room, but then when I left, I'll tell you this, I knew every guy in the room. Then I understood what the rivalry meant. Then we went out for 60 minutes and we battled, and we battled to the very end. And those games, like I said, the last thing that you're thinking about is yourself. It's a survival game. You're standing there at the 59th minute, 30 seconds left in the game, and that game's usually being determined still. And everything you've given in that game, you still have to give more because she's just not going to let you walk through the finish line. you got to carry your teammates through the finish line in a game like that. Them Gator and old games... Nothing like it, man.
I've never been in a more physically demanding game than those games playing against them dogs. But I really did understand what the rivalry meant, and it was all because of Coach Bobby Bowden. Bobby put that rivalry on the map. Bobby didn't have to play UM. We were like the ugly stepchild of FSU in Florida. Some private school down south. You know, they didn't need to do that, but Bobby played us every year. Bobby made that rivalry what it was. Bobby made the FSU-Miami game matter. Florida's the one that ended up stopping the traditional annual series with us in 87. They stopped it because they couldn't control the fact that we were out recruiting them and beating them. Bobby would have none of that. He could have easily have stopped it too. He wouldn't do it. It was important to him. My point to you is here's a coach that found balance in his life. There's so many people that can't find balance in their lives. You know, you work your ass to death and, you know, you don't enjoy anything in your life. Before you know it, it costs you everything. You know, it, it, it costs you everything. And there were two contrasting different coaches that, for me, over the weekend, that really, I just want to throw this out there to you. Coach Jimmy Johnson did his induction speech on Saturday. And I'm going to tie Coach Bowden in with this story here that I'm talking to you about. Coach Johnson going into the Hall of Fame was a great moment for all of us. Every player that's ever played for him. Every guy that's ever known him. But I'll tell you something. When I found the news out that Coach Bowden had died on Sunday, there was clearly a difference in how they approached their lives. Jimmy's got regrets. And you've been hearing it lately about how he sacrificed his, his marriage, his first one to Linda Kay how he sacrificed his relationships with his son. And I really hear a lot of regret. Jimmy's talking about quality time spent or quality time that's left on this earth. And he's trying to make it up with his kids. There's one coach and Bobby who I don't think had any regrets when he met his maker on Sunday. I think all the outpouring of love for Coach Bowden I think it was more about a man who cared about them personally and at least enjoyed the ride that they were all on. Coach Johnson, on the other hand, I just wonder if it was worth it because he surely sacrificed a lot. And knowing the man that I do know for 35 years, some of the things like the hugging of Troy Aikman when Aikman introduced him, I, I, I was shocked because Jimmy's, Jimmy doesn't show affection. I've never seen this much affection being shown. You know, and I think it's now been something that's put a cherry on top of his entire life. Look, he's making men's with Jerry Jones for a reason. Jimmy, for years, would never make amends, and nor would Steven. But I think these guys are understanding, man, there's just so little time left. Do we really want to go to our graves hating one another? Do we really want to go to our graves? Okay, we effed up the Cowboys. Do we really want to go to our graves? We were best friends. Our wives all hung out. We did things together every single day of our life. Do we want to let the pettiness of what went on in Dallas get in the way of our true friendship? 
And watching Troy Aikman bring those two guys together, I got to, you know, I text Troy over the weekend and I said, Troy, it's amazing that it was you that brought them all together. But I saw a lot of regret. And, you know, to Coach Bowden, I don't think Coach Bowden, when he, when he bowed out and he took a knee next to God, I don't think Coach Bowden had any regrets. Raised a great family. His kids all love him. His wife, Ann, is spectacular. Bobby loved everybody he came in contact with. He did things for other programs that people don't know about. He was offered the Alabama program, but he felt so much loyalty to FSU. And what FSU did for him and the amount of wealth he acquired because of that school, he just really felt loyalty. He was actually asked to be the Alabama Crimson Tide coach. And he turned it down, and he always wondered if that was the right thing because, of course, you have the resources at your fingertips to do whatever you need to do. The reason I'm opening my show with this is because I think sometimes we don't, we don't cover good people enough. I don't think Bobby Bowden is just like a page on somebody's show sheet. I don't think Bobby Bowden is a guy that you just put like kind of, you know, a, you, you put a disclaimer, oh, we have to hit on this. I think these are the kind of stories because it's the kind of men that he raised in his football program. Derek Brooks, one of the greatest people I've ever met in my life. You know, I get a text from Derek Brooks, the Hall of Famer, all the time. And you know what it says? Be a better father. Be a better man. It's got nothing to do with football. It's got nothing to do with anything else other than just being a quality man. You know what else I get? I get an opportunity all the time for, like, having text messages from work done. Hey, we're doing great things for the Habitat of the Humanities. We're giving homes to single moms. These are all people that were in Bowden's system. You see um, Amari Roll, um, Myron Roll, excuse me, who's now a brain surgeon at Harvard. Bobby Bowden promised his family that when he came down to Florida State that he would have an opportunity to be a student and he would have an opportunity to win national championships, which he did everything. He, start, he was a Rhodes Scholar. He won the Rhodes Scholar studied at Oxford and became a neurosurgeon. And that's what he does now. Do you know he's the head surgeon and the head neurosurgeon at Harvard Medical? Bobby Bowden's Florida State Seminole kid is the head surgeon at Harvard. It's a crazy story. And it's awesome. Because Bowden, and get this, he had to miss the first half of a football game. And he walks into Coach Bowden's office ESPN put this out, and Roll said this is a prime example of who Coach Bowden was. He goes, I thought Coach Bowden was going to be exceptionally mad at me because I got to tell him I have to miss the first half of a real big football game. It may have been the Gator game because he had to take the um, Road Scholar test. And Coach Bowden says, take it. Take it. I promised you that you'd be given an opportunity to be a doctor take it. And he took it. And he didn't go to the NFL because he didn't go to the NFL right away because he went over to study at Oxford because Coach Bowden had promised him. That's a coach. Those are coaches that see more than just football. The number one thing, and here I'm not here to preach to you, and I'll never be that guy to preach to you. 
But you know what I'll say to you? These coaches like Bobby Bowden, okay, they're, it's genuine and it's honest. The coaches that retire, and that's all you know them by, is just being a football coach. Isn't that shallow? I don't want anyone ever to go like this. Boy, Dan, you were a really great football. I want someone to say, Dan, you were a really great dad. I saw Jimmy Johnson, and I was like, boy, Jimmy's got a lot of regrets. He's got a lot of regrets. Bobby Bowden didn't have any regrets. So at the age of 91, the most important coach in Florida college football history passes away. And I say that because he was there 34 years. There were so many great college football coaches in that state, so many great college football players. You know what's funny? Most of us all played against Bobby. Most of us all played against him. I became friends after, and he's like, man, did you ever lose to Florida State? I went, nope. <laughs> I said, nope. Two games I was involved in? Nope, never lost. 85-86, no way. Nope, never lost FSU. I lost to them low lives in Gainesville once. But we, um, yeah, I was one-on-one get them, against them dudes. But never, he goes like, damn, we never put a whooping on you? I said, I don't think it got that close, coach. It's not true. The 85 game was close. But, um, no, he, he always was friends with all the kids that were in the state. All right. So rest in peace, Bobby Bowden. We'll talk to Brad Johnson, get his thoughts. He won so many football games with Coach Bowden, and he was a starting quarterback for him. Obviously, he was on the Super Bowl champion Buccaneer team with Warren Sapp. So we'll talk to him in the second hour. John McClain is going to join us in a couple minutes. The legendary sports writer from the Houston Chronicle will give us his thoughts. Uh, he tweeted something out earlier today about Deshaun Watson. We'll hit on that, too, with John. And it's pretty telling, I think, if it's coming from him. So we'll talk to him here in a minute. And speaking of Deshaun Watson, was practicing today. What does that mean now for the upcoming 2021 season? Does it look like he's going to play? Does it not look like he's not going to play? So bottom line here is we shall see if this ends up shaking out here. So we'll do this and we'll do it next here. We'll talk to John McClain. We'll see if we can get him on with us here in a couple minutes. We're also going to talk to Brad Johnson. Should be a great day for us here. We appreciate you coming aboard. You keep it here on the National Football Show. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods. 
the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Welcome back to the National Football Show, Dan Silio. I had to share that. And my affection for Florida State and for Coach Bobby Bowden. Because rarely do you have a coach that you call genuine. And you always know the great ones. The great ones are the ones that still connect with their former players, still help their former players, still give them guidance and are mentors to their former players. Some of the coaches that, you know, knock on kids' doors and walk in and talk to parents, they don't mean what they say. You can always tell a BS artist when coaches are in the room. God, I had a hundred of them. And you, you, can, you always can tell the ones that are just not genuine. The ones that are real, the ones that are genuine, are the ones that are lasting. And you, you just don't get any better than when you're talking about Bobby Bowden. So rest in peace, coach. And like I said, Brad Johnson will be in hour number two. We're working on some other people, too, to maybe get their perspective on what Coach Bobby Bowden meant to the college game. So looking forward to seeing if we can get a couple more folks on here. But obviously the story of the day now is what to do with Deshaun Watson. You know, the the Texans are really in a pickle here because, look, there's no doubt both sides are trying to see if there's a way that they can exit this relationship here. There's a lot of, there's a couple things that are completely in the way of this. There's a gigantic salary. What you don't want to do is hurt reputation. 
And what I mean by hurt reputation is, hey, look, if you're going to try to deal the player, you don't want the league to come out and put the guy on the commissioner's exempt list, which would hurt the value of the player. There is only one man, and I'll tell you what, um, I'm not sure I've ever interviewed him, but I can promise you this, according to Alonzo Highsmith and Warren Moon, they told me if you want the skinny on Houston sports, it's John McClain from the Houston Chronicle, and he joins us now here on the National Football Show. And, John, I appreciate you coming aboard, and thank you for doing this. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. All right, John, I saw your tweet earlier where you said that you don't believe that Deshaun Watson will ever play a down ever again for the Houston Texans. Why is your conviction there with that? I didn't say I don't believe it. I said I didn't say I believe it. I said he won't. I've said that for months. I've written it, broadcast, treated it. What I said today is what I've been saying all along. He will never take another snap for the Texans. He wants to be gone. They want him gone. Problem is nobody's making him offers no matter what you hear or read while he's got all these legal issues that could end up with him being suspended for half the season, all the season, going to court next year, ending up on the exempt list, could go to jail, could it be indicted by a grand jury. There is such a lack of clarity, Dan. Nobody is making them offers. Let me throw this at you too then. Um, let, let, let's start at the beginning, John, and give me how this whole story started. Why are we here? Before we get to the legal issues, why are we here that Deshaun, after getting a gigantic contract, if he hated the team, why did he sign the deal? Why are we in this position where both sides, at first it wasn't the Texans, now both sides are looking to try to find a lane to get out of this relationship. How did we get here, John? He didn't hate him when he signed that contract before regular season began last year. It was $156 million extension through the uh, 2025 kicks into gear next season when his base salary jumps from 10.54 to 35 million. But remember, they were coming off a fourth division title in five years. They were coming off a wild card victory over Buffalo. They were coming off a game in which they led the Chiefs 24 points in the second quarter before they choked it and got beat. So everybody thought, okay, is this year they're going to win fifth division title in six years? Are they going to finally get beyond the divisional round of the playoffs? So everybody was happy. Everybody was fired up. They seem to have moved on from the trade that Bill O'Brien made with Arizona for DeAndre Hopkins, which shocked not just Houston, but the NFL, and they were ready to go. Then it all fell apart. They played the toughest schedule I've seen in my 45 years covering the NFL, and they were putrid. O'Brien was fired after the 05 start. So things just deteriorated. Watson asked him to be involved in the coaching search. He said he wanted to know about the GM. They didn't do it. He was mad. He didn't want to return anyway. He told him that. He basically, without saying anything, remember, he has not commented. All comes from sources close to Watson, basically called the owner Cal McNair a liar and the players and coaches that he said he wanted to come back. The only one that's back is offensive coordinator Tim Kelly. So it got out. He wanted to be traded right when Nick Casario was hired as general manager. And I'm sure Casario thought, yeah, we'll work it out. A lot of players end the season and they're unhappy. They want to be traded, but they couldn't. He wouldn't get back to him for weeks. And then finally, David Cully, the new coach, was able to talk to him on a Zoom in February, hoped that he could convince him 
come back, but he told them, I want out. I don't want to be part of it. Like J.J. Watt said, he didn't want to be part of this rebuild. And so Watson told him why he wanted out. They told him he wouldn't be here in the offseason, preseason, minicamp, uh, regular season. So that's when they made the decision to, to trade him. And there was eight teams that I know of, Dan, that reached out and uh, said they'd be interested. And then the idea was to get through free agency, start talking to teams around the 1st of April, and pull the trigger somewhere right before the draft, get teams bidding against each other. And they thought they could get over a three-year spin, three ones, two twos, and a starting defensive player. But then the lawsuits started piling up. Everybody pulled back, said, let us know. When this gets resolved, we're still interested. And then four of them drafted quarterbacks in the first round. And so that's where they stand today. He wants to be gone. They want to accommodate him. If you think about all these issues he has, he wanted to be traded. Now he's got the lawsuits, the police investigation, the NFL investigation, and no clarity whatsoever. I asked Jimmy Johnson on my show here a couple months ago if he would take three ones for Deshaun Watson. This was prior to the – uh, cases against him. So this is maybe a couple more months out uh, on the cases. And I go, would you take three ones from him? He goes, never. You look for that guy. Um, that's the guy you look for. Okay. But now with the dents and the fender, I'm just asking John, all of a sudden these, these cases, they just start parachuting in right after he, it just, maybe it's just coincidental here. Didn't the Texans do any due diligence when they were signing a long-term contract with the kid and they were going to pay him roughly nearly $30 million or $40 million a year that there were some of these things with behavior that were out there that this all of a sudden it's just hit the Texans in the NFL like a blindsided hit here. I mean, all of a sudden it parachutes in from nowhere. Didn't they know any of this stuff was going on? Not that I know of. It wasn't out there. I mean, nobody, I, I'd never heard a word about anything like this until the first lawsuit came out. And uh, then, of course, they piled up. And so uh, I don't know about that. All I know is at some point he will play again. Maybe it's in 2021. Maybe it's in 2022. And when he plays again, he'll be a great quarterback. He was tremendous last season. He had his best season in every statistic. It didn't translate to victories because they were pathetic on defense and an awful running game. And uh, But it wasn't his fault. So once he gets beyond all this, whenever that is, he'll play another 10 to 12 years. So I think teams are going to be willing to pay dearly. And the best time to do it, Dan, is not right before the season, not even at the trade deadline. The best time to do it is wait before next year's draft and see all these teams that have quarterbacks that they're looking at this year, especially if they have multiple first-round picks, see what happens. Do the Giants like Daniel Jones in his third year? Do the Lions like – Jared Goff in his first year. What does Miami think about Tua Tungvaluwa? Denver's been seriously interested. Carolina was interested. They've got Sam Darnold. What if that doesn't work out? What if the Washington football team needs a quarterback? There's a lot of teams that could need quarterbacks before next year's draft. But I know Watson wants to be gone, and I'm sure they would like to trade him. But I can't imagine General Manager Nick Serio is going to have a fire sale and take the first offer that comes along. John, do you agree? I mean, help me out on the uh, on the uh, suits that are against them. Are there any criminal, or are they all civil suits? Uh, they have filed 10, uh, 10 criminal complaints, according to 
uh, Watson's attorney, Rusty Harden, that are being investigated by Houston police. That investigation is ongoing. Roger Goodell's investigation is ongoing as well. Well, let me throw this at you. If there's 22 cases out there of a guy with potential sexually um, assaulting women or sexual cases against a particular person, isn't that a community issue too? I mean, where's the police in this? Where is the NFL with the commissioner's exempt list? I mean, this is really fishy stuff here. And the fact, if that were you and me with 22 complaints, John, against us for sexual misconduct, even the conduct detrimental to all of our NFL contracts, it says right in there, you can void the contract for conduct detrimental in any way the club or the, or the uh, NFL sees fit when it comes to protecting the shield. All of these things are out there. No exemplist. I haven't heard anything from the NFL. I barely have heard anything from the NFL Players Association, and I can't think of, I've heard anything from the Texans. Is this like confidentiality agreements maybe behind the um, scenes being worked out here as we're trying to work through this? No confidentiality agreements between all the entities. There's still is an ongoing investigation. The NFL wants to know what the Houston police find out. Uh, the exempt list is so you get paid, paid vacation. You don't get your salary till the season starts. So he could be put on the exempt list when regular season begins. And he's going to make $10.54 But right now, he's at the facility. He's doing everything that he needs to do to avoid being fined $50,000 a day. And as long as he keeps doing that, He's going to make his salary. He could be inactive for every game. He could uh, get put on injured reserve. Last week he had, let's see, it was, uh, let me think, ankle and calf injury, quote, unquote. He got treatment for and went to meetings, came back out uh, today and threw some passes and then stood off to the side and then left after the fifth team drill, took his pads off, came back, stood around in shorts and a shirt, and uh, first uh, with a towel over his head and then a hoodie. Then he went and signed some autographs, and he went in. So they could do this all year if they want to, but it doesn't serve any purpose for him to be out there because it is a constant distraction. David Culley, Nick Casario said it's not a distraction for the team. Maybe it isn't, but it certainly is for everybody else because when he's out there on the practice field with the fans and the media, it is a circus. Absolutely. A couple last questions for you here, John. And I completely agree. They're just doing that for PR relations because if I'm on that team, I don't want to keep being asked a question about whether or not Deshaun Watson is going to be playing. I'm trying to prepare for the upcoming 2021 season. That leads me to David Culley. So in the whole process here, I mean, boy, you talk about how this all looks for him. Tyrod Taylor, and I got great respect for Tyrod. I think he made a Pro Bowl, John, if I'm not mistaken, when he was in Buffalo. He's a fine ball player. But he's not Deshaun Watson. So, I mean, where is David? I mean, is that the first question that is asked to him each and every single day? What's the latest on Deshaun Watson? I would think that's the first question out of the gate every single day. So it is a distraction to him. David Culley's been asked about that numerous times, and he refuses to answer anything. And he won't say it, but that's under the orders of Nick Serio, an executive VP of football operations. Jack Easterby. Nobody's had any comment on Watson about anything from the Texans. And that's fine. That's the way they operate here. It's the New England way because that's all Nick Casario knows. So it's a distraction. He still, I feel bad for Cully because he keeps getting asked and he keeps saying the same thing. And when we talked to him 
on Tuesday morning. He'll be asking about it again, and he'll he doesn't say no comment. He'll say day to day, or there's nothing there, nothing new. Well, there is something new when he's out there compared to being inside. They didn't even acknowledge Dan that he was getting treatment, that he was going to meetings. That was the offensive coordinator Tim Kelly talked about how much he was helping the other quarterbacks behind the scenes. Rod Taylor, when he was three years start at Buffalo and took them to the playoffs in seventeen, David Culley was his quarterback coach, so he knows him well. Pep Hamilton, the new passing game coordinator and quarterback coach, he was with Taylor last year with Chargers when he had that freaking injury that punctured along. So the last two times he's been a starter, Chargers and Browns in 18, he's gotten hurt early in the season, lost his starting job. Uh, the, the, everybody here wants to see Davis Mills, their third round pick, their first overall pick. He only he only started 11 games at Stanford. So he's got a lot to learn at some point this season. They've got to see if he can play. I've contended all along, Dan, that would be after the bye week. Put him in there the last eight games, see what you got. If they don't think they've got anything, they've got to uh, target a quarterback with the first pick in a draft, which could be first overall. But if they think he could be the guy, it would have a huge impact on their 2022 draft when they finally have their draft choices back. They hope to have a couple for Watson in that drift as well as others. A lot of salary cap money. That's really when the rebuild begins. Right now, Dan, they've got 43 of 53 new players on this roster. Wow. And of those 53, 30 uh, have at least five years of experience. And uh, most of those new guys are all veterans. So they may they may win four, five, six games this year because they got veterans on one-year contracts. All of them are hungry. The ones that aren't on a one-year deal are looking for extensions because they got two-year deals. Finally here, um, Andre Johnson, I talked to him, obviously my connection with him through the U. I asked him about the um, organization itself, and he goes, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of Deshaun, and this was prior to the cases, getting out of there. Look at what it did to J.J. Watt. He's not a real fan of the way that they operated, the McNair family. You know, are these just disgruntled players that were in that organization, or do you think there's something to it that you're not only hearing Andre, but you're hearing J.J., kick up some dust. You're hearing other players that have played in the organization that were under Bob McNair. I mean, you covered the team, like I said, for you've been covering football in that city for 40 years. I mean, uh, how, how do you look at them as being owners of that football team? The McNair family last year spent more money on player payroll than any team in the league. They, they paid Nick Casario $30 million over six years with a chance to make another five. They were paying three general managers last year. They pay a lot of money. They stay out of the decisions, and they let the people they hire run it. Problem is, uh, Jack Easterby, the executive foot, VP of football ops, that guy's people don't like him, and he has way too much power, and the players know it. And Nick Casario has final say over personnel, but this is his first year. And I think Casario is doing a good job under the circumstances. He's very deserving of a GM job. They tried to get him two times before, and the Patriots wouldn't let him go, and they let him go this time because of a new league rule that they couldn't keep him. So he's here, GM, for the first time. He's turned over this roster, but a lot of people don't think, want to be part of something that they think is going to be bad for two or three years or maybe not turn it around in his regime at all. John, I, I want to sneak one more in on you here, one more, and we'll let you go here. Um, you know, they're not the same cases, but it's still – conduct issues 
I wonder if the National Football League, just your years of covering the league, you know, Robert Kraft had an issue a couple years ago in Florida with a massage parlor. NFL didn't come down on him in any way. Uh, he was cleared of charges. There was still a case that was pending against him. And I'm just wondering how the NFL is going to kind of compare how that case went on versus how Deshaun Watson's case. Because as you said, we really don't know anything yet. Everything is really just it's, – it's really people guessing. And the amount of cases against them, I get it. But the um, things that were coming out in that case, too, that was also sexual misconduct. The league didn't do anything to that. I'm just wondering, maybe that's why the league is pausing here. Instead of getting in front of it like they did the Ray Rice or they got in front of the Adrian Peterson or they got in front of these other cases, maybe that they're just sitting back here waiting for the intel to come in to make a proper decision and a proper ruling. Is, can that be fair here? Well, that's what they should do to yep. try to be as fair as they can because Watson is innocent until proven guilty. But I've read 22 lawsuits twice. They're on our website, HoustonChronicle.com. There is disturbing and disgusting things in there that he's being accused of and his accusers, they deserve to be heard. Sure. And as far as Robert Kraft, he's one of the owners of the NFL. So of course they're not going to come down on him as hard as they would a player who has an unprecedented number of cases against him. Absolutely. This is going to be really interesting to see. I happen to agree with you, John. I don't think he ever plays it down ever again for the Houston Texans and um, should be an interesting year. John, it's been a privilege having you on. Thank you so much, my friend. Dan's my pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. You bet. That is John McClain, Hall of Fame voter and been covering football in the city of Houston for around 40 years. So we'll take a brief time out. We'll expand on some of the things that John said. Keep it right here on the National Football Show. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huckenfot. What's that? Huckenfot. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. 
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Welcome back to the National Football Show, Dan Silvio. Awesome to have John McClain on and kind of straighten the storylines out here. John's been covering football in that city, Oilers and Texans for over 40 years. So darn good pulse on what's going on. I would say this to you, though. So you remember the storyline with Robert Kraft a couple of years ago with the massage parlors and all the disgusting things that they had on tape with the owner of the New England Patriots? I mean, it was absolutely disgusting stuff when it came to, um, you know, what he was doing in those massage parlors. He was actually like leaving the AFC championship game and flying down to central Florida at these massage parlors. And they had him on tape with his pants down with a bunch of other dudes. I mean, look, I'm not going to get into it, but I mean, so the league did nothing. Those cases, remember they were first, it came out that it was human trafficking or something like that. I was like, obviously this is a political thing because he's friends with Donald Trump and it turned out to be so. And, that they were making more of it. It was just a dirty old guy at these massage parlors. That's what it was. Okay. I mean, look, I'm not talking about what crime is more than the other here. I'm not talking about, well, this guy did something worse than the other. I'm talking about conduct unbecoming of an NFL player and an NFL owner here. Conduct is conduct. Can you categorize it? I guess. I guess you can. Well, this guy was more disgusting than this guy here. My point is, is that so Robert Kraft and the Patriots, they ended up facing no scrutiny from the owners. They ended up facing no backlash because of the conduct of the owner of the team. Some would say, well, he's part of the ownership of the league. So that doesn't give him carte blanche to be a complete creep in public, too. I mean, if it's anything about protecting the shield, it should be, right? So you're telling me, well, we're going to come down heavy on Deshaun Watson, but your owners can go out and do what Jim Irsay did a couple years ago when you had $30,000 on a seat and you had open pill bottles for oxycodone. Nothing happened to the owner. I think he actually did end up getting fined. I mean, you still have to have conduct when you're talking about a league. So my question to like the National Football League, you didn't come down on Kraft at all for his despicable behavior. And, and we know this. The NFL doesn't need to have a crime if they think something is creepy. We've seen the commissioner rule on things that no one broke any laws. 
I mean, we've seen it numerous times, right? Ray Rice never went to jail for what he did to that woman, hitting that woman who became his wife. Adrian Peterson never went to jail for that, hitting his kid with a switch. The league came down on those guys because the conduct that was detrimental to the team and the league. And that's most likely what will happen here. The big question with Deshaun Watson is going to be, what is that? What I don't like, though, is the media people doing this. The first thing that they do is you throw it out there that, okay, well, there's 22 cases. There's got to be something to it. That's a fair assumption. That I, I'm not going to protect the player that much and say, come on, Sills, something's got to be there. And especially during time of COVID. We all know this. Hey, I'm not having 22 people around me, let alone 22 massage therapists around me. I'm going to pick one person and have that person come in and do their very best to get me ready for each and every single weekend so that I can play. I'm not sitting around here trying to ask people out on dates. I'm trying to get ready for a season. So I get it. 22? Why would you have more than that during a pandemic? Trying to get sick? So there's a lot of things that make it not sound right. But I, what I don't want to have happen is the league come up with these new set of rules that don't exist especially if the kid gets cleared. All right. Let me move on to another story here. This happened over the weekend. And this happened over the weekend at the NFL induction ceremonies. It's really, it just shows you because today's sports fan and today's football fan, you have no idea, basically, the history of the league, many of you don't. You see the guys that are out there playing on Sundays. They put good fantasy numbers up. They're here. They're there. You know, they help your teams win. But you really don't know the story of the men that really represent this league, especially the guys that get those gold jackets. One of the guys who got a gold jacket over the weekend almost made me throw up. And that was Paul Taglibu. How in the world does Paul Taglibu Make it into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Do you know how he made it into the Pro Football Hall of Fame? The commissioner put him in. This secret blue ribbon committee that nobody knows who was on it put him in, and that ribbon was created to get him in because nobody in their right mind would have voted for Paul Taglibu to go into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Nobody. He's the former commissioner of the NFL. And he did more damage to the players than any man in the history of the league. Here's why he should not be in. So, CTE is a massive issue for that league. And just in the nick of time, coronavirus has hit. So, CTE has been put to the side because of all this mass stuff and vaccination stuff. Okay? And it really gives us something else to talk about. And there's more emphasis on blaming the players than there is on anybody else when they're not vaccinated. I'll get into Lamar Jackson too. Okay, this is now his second time that he's tested positive. So let me, let me, let, Paul Taglibu did this. When it first started coming to the league's attention that there were lawyers 
that were saying that these players like Andre Waters of the Eagles, Dave Durson, Mike Webster, Terry Long, Junior Seau, go down the list of these guys who've committed suicide and have died, and some of these men have died, have died because they had brain trauma. They had brain injuries because playing football and playing it in the NFL. The NFL, including Jerry Jones, said that you can't prove it. The NFL went out of their way, and Paul Tagliabue led that charge, went out of his way to make sure that any investigating, any type of research, studies, anything, would always be contradicted by somebody that they would hire put money into their research that would always contradict it. The NFL Players Association and the league battled this case forever. Now, to be fair to the NFL, when we all signed up to play in the league, remember something. This is not like a normal draft where if you get drafted, you have to go fight for your country. You don't have to show up. Okay? You know what you signed up for. I was asked this question numerous times. If you knew what you signed up for, would you still play? Of course I would. But it would have been nice to know some of the safety precautions that we could have took and maybe some of the drugs that you gave us to hide some of these concussions where some of these players now are really experiencing difficulty in their life post-NFL. Remember something. Do I think the NFL caused it? Probably not, but I think the years of it, then the NFL finishing a guy that plays 15, 20 years of his life between playing high school, college, and then he gets a chance to play years in the NFL, I think it all finishes it up. The NFL never wanted to take control of that. So you know what Paul Tagliabue did? He hired an arthritis doctor, Eddie Poland, to lead the research when it came to CTE. He was an arthritis doctor, not a brain trauma doctor, an arthritis doctor. I mean, this guy studied rheumatism, not brain tissue issues, rheumatism, arthritis. This guy led the NFL's research for decades under Paul Tagliabue. Finally, and Paul Tagliabue used to go like this. That's eh, a media thing. This thing's made up by the media. It's got nothing really to it. So you're sitting here putting a guy like that in the Pro Football Hall of Fame who said that the brain injuries in the players were made up by the media and were false. So when Junior Seau puts a shotgun in his chest and pulls the trigger, or these other players kill themselves. You know, some of these players have drink, they drank like battery acid so that it wouldn't wreck their brains so you could do studying on them. I mean, to see him on that stage over the weekend was just a complete slap in the face to all the players in the league. What a disgusting scene that was. You notice that very many of the players are clapping for the guy. And. The guy was absolutely, hey, did he do wonderful things business-wise? Of course, remember something. He represents the owners. He don't represent the players. Roger Goodell doesn't represent the players. He may come off like he loves you, but he represents his bosses. The players don't pay his bills. We pay D. Smith, the head of the NFL Players Association, the executive director of the NFL Players Association. We don't pay Roger Goodell. Roger Goodell makes $60 million a year as the commissioner of the league. He's the highest paid guy 
non-owner in the NFL. That includes the players. So when you're talking about a guy that looks out for the game, no, they look out for their business partners. And when you put a guy like Paul Taglebu into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, who basically said that, well, CTE was a hoax. He calls it a hoax. And now he's a Hall of Famer. And then he tells you how much he loves the players. Didn't love them that much. <laughs> he didn't love them that much. Okay? You make comments like that. You didn't love the guys that much. All right. NFL's got an issue with Lamar Jackson. Okay? There's two of them, actually. The Ravens quarterback is spectacular. I'll hit on it. Hour two, don't forget also, Brad Johnson. We'll talk about the legendary life of Bobby Bowden with the former Noel quarterback. Also, Brad won a Super Bowl championship with that Tampa Bay Buccaneers team led by Warren Sapp. That'll all be an hour number two. You keep it right here on the National Football Show. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. 
it's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. <laughs> 